Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Emily, a writer and editor. We're just two type 1 diabetic ladies trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. Welcome to another episode in season six. I don't know why I'm singing. Yeah, see, Miriam gets it. (laughs) Um, So this episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about the pressures of, um, I'd say the social, I'm trying to bring up my text to you, Miriam, I should have been more prepared. Uh, Yeah, there's no phrasing for it, but it's kind of like the social vibes or anxieties or feelings that come up when wearing your diabetes devices. So obviously this is kind of like a new, more modern thing that has come up as we have more diabetes tech tech and more devices um, that are much more visible, kind of what is, how do we wear those things and how do we feel about those things and how does everyone do it differently? So I think this is an interesting topic because it's relevant and it's particularly relevant for those of us who use the these devices like insulin pumps or or CGMs of any kind, obviously, if you're on multiple daily injections and you're not using a CGM, it's a little less relevant, but I hope it's still interesting for everyone. I think it's still a little bit relevant for multiple daily injectors because you got to whip out those uh, syringes now That's and then. true. It's not on you permanent necessarily, but right. you're still – It's less visible, but – Less visible, but it has moments of increased visibility. Yes, and I'd venture to even say some alienating moments for both because this is actually something that I um, wanted to bring up because – and I wouldn't tell Miriam the story before we started recording because I'm lazy. Um, But basically, I'm in the looped Facebook group, and which is about looping, so head to season five, one of those episodes on looping. Oh, my God, I used to be so on top of it. I'll, I'll let everyone know the actual episode. <laughs> We're sleepy tonight. I know. It's I'm okay. like, help me. So basically this one person who was on the Omnipod posted in the group about how she was at a bar and someone, she was ordered, she ordered, before ordering a drink from the bartender, the bartender like placed a drink in front of her and she's like, oh, I didn't order this. And he was like, it's from that couple over there. And she turned around and they were waving at her. And the guy was like, they said that they hope you can beat this soon. Like you'll, you're going to kick this. And she realized they thought she had cancer because the Omnipod looks very similar slash I think is the same exact pod to one of the at-home chemo treatments that is now being offered because we live in a bionic age. Oh. And it's wild. I didn't, see, I didn't even know so that. So I actually, I, I mean, first of all, she was like, what do I do? Do I send back the drink? Do I, you know, like, thank you, but I'm going to be fine. I just have type 1 diabetes. Like, it was like a whole thing. And the way she handled it, I thought was hilarious. I can't remember how she handled it, but her thought process was really funny. So good for you if you're listening. But this happened to me somewhat on a very different level. My ex-boyfriend, his mom, you know, thought – she was like, oh, wait. She never thought I had cancer, but she was like, oh, my God. 
you know, my husband had one of those at-home chemo pods. So my ex-boyfriend's dad had like a similar pod when he was when he was going through cancer treatment. He came out the other side, he's doing great, good for you. But, you know, Sunday's still sending thoughts and prayers. But it's so interesting. So, I mean, yes, a very different connotation, but wearing mm-hmm. a pump and it, having it visible in any way, shape, or form, especially if you have the clip-on tubing kind, which usually is somewhat visible unless you have all the gadgets mm-hmm. like Miriam and ways to hide it in your space and things like that. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely going to be a, a thing that people are going to look at. And that mm-hmm. it has so many struggles in itself. And I honestly think it's why a lot of people still use multiple daily injections. Yeah. It's having something connected to you all the time. And it's feeling like – a robot, for lack of a better word. Like even my little niece, who I'm obsessed with, she just she's turned so six. But when, she's very cute. But when she was a baby and or just starting to talk and just getting aware of things, she'd see if I if we were in the pool and she'd see my pump or she'd see my Dexcom, she'd point to it and my my way of explaining it to her is like, oh, I'm part robot. Like these are some extra parts I have to help me feel okay. And I like would joked around with her that I was a robot, but she still calls me like robot Aww. aunt, which is like cute. But sometimes it gives me a pain of like yeah. sadness. I'm like, do you think she really thinks I'm a robot? Do you think she thinks of me differently? And I think, I mean, this is a very highly specific example, but it's, it's, we all are towing that line of feeling like, we want to make light of it or kind of make a joke of things or try to brush it off so it doesn't turn into a longer conversation. But on the other hand, like it is kind of serious and it does affect our self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves and how we, how we perceive that people are feeling about us. Um, So I think this is exactly relevant, whether you're wearing these, these robot parts or whether you're injecting yourself in public or even just checking your blood sugar in public, it's bringing attention visibility to this otherwise invisible invisible illness um and having an invisible invisible illness does come with privileges in a lot of senses it's you know you can hide in some sense when you don't want to be when it doesn't you don't want it to be so aware that you're different it's not like you're walking up to someone with a you know uh with an oxygen tank attached to you there's different things that that can indicate that someone's having some sort of illness or disability in any way, shape or form. So, sorry, continue. Yeah. And I, no, I just on that note, I think when we're thinking of, you know, the, the feelings that go along with this, I guess we can both kind of talk about our experiences of, of having our things visible. You have so Um, many more than me. I've only, but it's true. Well, well, I think my, my journey is different than yours because one, obviously I was diagnosed much, much younger. I was six years old and I was, went a long time where these devices weren't really so a true. thing. Like insulin pumps existed, but they weren't necessarily like everyone was on them. So I didn't get an insulin pump until I was in seventh grade. Mind which is like to me. The, the, the seventh grade is already oh. awful, like horrible. Yeah. Middle, you know what I mean? Like middle schoolers are not nice. Middle school girls are like crazy hormonal and insane. They're just not so nice, honestly. Imagine, if there are any middle school girls nice. listening, imagine, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure you're nice, but you know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, every, everyone had that middle school experience in some way, whatever side of the spectrum they were on. And I think – I was already crazy emotional, already like every teenage girl is a little self-conscious and anxious. And so when I got the pump, I did everything in my power to make sure it was hidden. So like 
it was clipped onto my pants. I'd wear long t-shirts. I'd only wear things with like pockets so I could hide it in my pocket. Like I kind of entered the insulin pump world with that mindset. So that became really normal for me. And I think I just naturally kind of learned to hide it. I mean, it was easier because my pump sites were always on my hips or my butt or my stomach anyway. So it made sense that my pump was clipped on somewhere in that area. Um, And I'll be honest, it wasn't until, so I've, let me do the math. I've had diabetes for almost 24 years, like 23 and a half years at this point. It wasn't until one year ago, maybe not even, maybe like six months ago that I put my Dexcom on my arm for the first time. I'd only ever had it hidden on my stomach or my pump sites on my butt. This was the uh, six months ago or so. I put it on my arm for the first time. It was so visible. And one, I was like super proud of myself because I was like, woo, I just did something new. Two, I was like, excuse my language, fuck, because like now I have to be more aware of my clothing because it was still in my mind. It's like, oh, how do I hide this? So even I'm like going to my Pilates class wearing a tank top and I'm like, super self-conscious and aware of my Dexcom. I pushed myself. I felt kind of uncomfortable, but like, did anyone say anything to me? No, (laughs) no one said a thing. And even I ended up wearing it to like a bridal shower where I had this like short sleeve um, dress on. And I thought the sleeve would cover the Dexcom more than it did, but it didn't. So it was totally showing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say, screw it. I'm going to go. One of my friends said something, and it wasn't even judgmental. She just said, oh, you're wearing this on your arm now. Why Why is it on your arm instead of your stomach? Like, she was curi- right. just curious. And I said, oh, like, new year, yeah, new I'm, me. I'm running out of real <laughs> Yeah, but basically, I was like, I'm running out of real estate on my body. I'm trying something new. I thought it'd be more hidden. And she's like, oh, no, like, you don't have to hide it. I was right. just curious. And so it was just good reminder that, like, I don't. I don't know what it's a reminder, reminder of. Like you have it in you. You have it in you. And it doesn't have yeah. to be a shameful thing. Like I am a hundred percent guilty of this to this minute. Like I very seldom wear my pod pump Dexcom, you know, I don't know why I just called my pod pump, whatever. I very seldom wear it for the world <laughs> to see. In the summer, I always, always, always will wear my Omnipod on my legs or my upper butt. Um, or if I'm going to do mm-hmm. my arms, I will nine times out of 10 wear some kind of loose short sleeve shirt situation. But it wasn't until recently yeah. when the weather was like really in between where I was wearing, I wore mm-hmm. a leather jacket and then I wore like a tank top out to the bar. I think I posted a picture of it uh-huh. and I got really hot waiting on the subway platform and I took off my, uh, took off my leather jacket and my pod was for the, like out for the world to see. And I was so self-conscious and I felt like such mm-hmm. a poser because all I do is talk about how we should wear things loud and proud, but like it's, I'm still a work in progress. Like, you know, you are too. Yeah. And sometimes you don't, yeah, you don't want to be so exposed exactly. all the time. And it, it's kind of forcing us to expose ourselves. It makes us vulnerable. Um, and sometimes you don't need to be. Yeah. yeah. So I was so proud of myself for wearing it on my arm and, you know, like, have, you know, trying not to care about it. And I really didn't for most of the night. That's the thing. Like, it's this big, scary thing. And then you go out and you're doing stuff and you're talking with your friends and you don't really think about it until someone kind of looks at it for a mm-hmm. little too long or whatever. Yeah. And I found that my, like, I was doing, I was 
was in Jamaica last week and obviously I was on the beach and obviously on the beach, you can very much see my Omnipod and I wear my Dexcom on my stomach mm-hmm. and I was getting a whole bunch of stares and I am a little too extra when it comes to explaining things. If anyone who's ever met me before probably knows this, but instead of, you know, just like letting someone come up and ask me if someone's staring too long, I'll be like, I have diabetes. (laughs) I'm like, it's my insulin pump. And nine times out of 10, the person will be like, oh, like that's what that is. And then one time someone will be like, my brother has the same one or like whatever. And and then you're like, okay, I totally didn't need to react that way. But to me, it's a like it. That's exactly. your way of coping with it. Feel. It's your way of like cutting I feel like the it awkwardness. Makes, it puts it more in my control. Like I'm deciding to tell someone. Yeah. So, and that's exactly it's your control, and that's your choice to do that. This always kind of leads me to this next thought, which I always try to tell people: it's it is not your job, and it is not your burden to have right. to educate people. So I think that educating people for you is a way of you coping with it and breaking that awkwardness, but that doesn't have to be for our listeners, the other pals that doesn't have to be the way to deal with it. You can very much say if someone, you can say nothing. If someone asks you, you can say like, Oh, it's an insulin pump. I have diabetes and like walk away. You are not required to change people's lives or educate them or give them this whole new understanding of type one diabetes. If you don't want to, And it's okay if sometimes you're in the mood and sometimes you're not, which is kind of how I feel about it. Sometimes I'm like gung-ho to be, you know, changing people's perspectives about diabetes. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I had a bad day. I don't feel like I have to educate you right now. I'm just going to give you a short answer. And that's your prerogative. And I think it's it's what feels comfortable for you. Don't worry about making someone else feel uncomfortable. Because they're the ones exactly. Making you I feel mean, awkward, everyone you know? has something that they're insecure, uncomfortable about or with, and we're not saying that you have to be mm-hmm. insecure. That you necessarily are insecure about your diabetes. You could be a badass diabetic and just be like 100 percent comfortable exactly. with yourself and your body and your parts, or mm-hmm. you can still be a badass diabetic and still have some anxiety and insecurities about things. Everything that you are experiencing is true to you, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you just don't feel like explaining that to people. And that's when you direct them to the Pancreas Pals podcast. (laughs) Exactly. And like, that's okay. It's, 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 it's it's exhausting. (laughs) It is exhausting. It's exhausting just having to like be the spokesperson for a disease that you really ask for. And I think you never sign up for this. And And that's what happens to all of us. It's like, that's what sucks about the visibility of these devices, which kind of leads us to this topic, is that it is forcing you in some sense to for to be that spokesperson or for people to feel comfortable asking about it. Because like, oh, well, you're wearing it so visibly. You must want to talk about it all the time. It's like, which I isn't don't always want the case. scar tissue. And I think <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that's why people, you know, some people might tend to try to hide it more just to like take that – discussion point off the off the table but it's your choice and kind of rock with it I guess like decide how much how how much you want to talk about and how much you don't yes. and that's that's on you no Sorry, that was like a long definitely a your body your choice situation and it's mm-hmm. uh it takes 
a long time for a lot of people to come to whatever terms, you know, with their diabetes on a whole greater scale, like emotionally. I mean, I'm still coming to terms with it once every other four months. Like it's a disease that's chronic Mm -hmm. and unless there's a cure sometime soon, we're all going to have some kind of visible indication, whether that be from injections, from, you know, the tips of your fingers getting all calloused or dotted from checking your shugs before the Dexcom or even during the Dexcom days. It's a, it's a work in progress, just like a lot of other chronic illnesses. And, you know, if someone has asthma and you see their inhaler, you're not going to question that. But if you see an insulin pump, a lot Mm -hmm. of, there's different kinds of insulin pumps. They look different. They do different things. Like, in terms of how they relate yeah. to your body, tubing versus non-tubing versus inhalable insulin mm-hmm. versus, you know, all these different things now. And we're so lucky to live in a time where we yeah. have all these options, but they do come with more questions. It's just a fact. They do. And I think it's interesting to think like reflecting on the times that you have been questioned or people have asked you about it more often than not, it's, I won't say it's a positive experience, but more often than not, it is not a negative experience. Either they're telling you like, oh, yeah, I have a friend with something similar or, oh, that's interesting. And they move on. You know, it's it rarely is some like horrible negative experience. Not to say those never happen because people are dumb. And my favorite thing is when someone is like, you don't look like you'd have diabetes. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can't handle that. Thanks. And that's their ignorance. And again, you are not required to educate them. If if you want to get on your soapbox and teach them a thing or two, by all <laughs> means, someone should. But it's usually it's me. Not, it's not right. your job. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God for the Emilys of the world right. that you have the energy and the. I'm only five years in, friends. That. Let's you know, catch me in another ten. Let's see if I'm still on my soapbox. <laughs> and get more jaded. No, I think it's. I think that's just your personality, and that's who you are. And you're you're good at kind of speaking your mind and speaking your truth. Whereas I'm more like I go through my phases where I love to do that, but sometimes I'm a, I'm an introvert, and I'm like, you know what? This is something I'm managing. I don't feel a need to talk to people about it all the time. But that's everyone's prerogative on how it's how they want to so deal true. with this disease. So for those of you listening that are like, okay, well, how do I handle this? Like, I know I, I want to start wearing my pump on my arm or whipping out a, a needle for an injection, you know, at dinner with my friends. You know, how do I broach the subject with people? My number one thing is we get a lot of questions. Like, how do you tell people you're diabetic or how do you explain to someone that you're diabetic? Mm-hmm. There's no guaranteed script for anything. The biggest and easiest way is to, A, start with the facts. Like, you know, I'm a type 1 diabetic. That's about it. There doesn't really Mm -hmm. need to be any more Mm -hmm. questions other than that. Um, And, B, you don't have to tell everyone. So if someone asks you a question you don't want to answer, just be like, you know, thank you next. (laughs) Maybe not that, but there's an easy way to be like, you know, that's a personal question and just chill and walk away. But it's also a really good learning opportunity. Exactly. And that's why I always take take the moment to uh, be like, hey, I'm a type 1 diabetic. That's my insulin pump. And then usually more questions ensue. But if, you know, two seconds before that, the person thought that it was 
a tool for chemotherapy or if they thought that the only type of diabetes to exist was type 2 diabetes, then hey, I'm here to tell you that both of those are wrong. So it's a, it's one mm-hmm. less person to ask another diabetic a, a question that's wrong. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, when they're, like Emily said, there's no right way to tell people or to bring it up in conversation. So I always say, like, try to experiment. See, like, try different styles, different ways. Sometimes you might want to tell someone right away, kind of give them the whole spiel of this is diabetes, this is what I have to do. Sometimes you might decide to make a joke about it and just, like, make a comment just to let someone know that you have diabetes. It's You get to experiment about with what feels right for you. And I think it depends on the audience. It depends who you're talking to. It will define how you want to tell them. But I, I'm i trying to think. And in my when I'm feeling really, like, energized and okay with educating people, I'll usually, like you said, I'll be like, okay, well, this is an insulin pump. I use this because I have type 1 diabetes. This is what it does for me. I don't have a functioning pancreas, so this is, in some sense, my external pancreas. And if they're not really science-minded, that's usually, like, enough for them. Some people might be super curious and will ask more specifics. Um, or if I'm not in a chatty mood and someone asks about it, I'll be like, oh, but it's an insulin pump by diabetes. And I, you can usually – they can usually tell by my tone or by my, like, not giving extra info that, like, okay, conversation's over. Um, I try not to be rude about it, obviously, but – if they start ask, continue asking questions and aren't really getting my social cues, I'll be like, you know what? This isn't my favorite topic to yeah. talk about. I have to deal with it all the time. But right. you should know I have diabetes. Let's move on. And they're usually like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Um, easier said than done. Some people just do not pick up on the social cues, and that's frustrating. And But I try to just get through the conversation as best I can and, and take care of yourself, kind of. Do whatever you need to keep yourself feeling okay and not letting them make you feel crappy or feel insecure and understand their intentions. I think more often than not, even if they're not picking up on your social cues, they might, they're probably just super curious and maybe they're a little socially awkward and don't know that their curiosity could be offensive or pushy at times. But it's almost, it's like rarely anything, there's no malice usually, there's nothing negative for the most part, people aren't trying to be jerks. They're just and what's the worst that could happen? Someone just say something that really, it. you know, like the worst thing that could happen is words. There's and anyone as hurtful as words can be, yeah. and as maybe one of even the worst weapons out there. Honestly, it's also one of the best assets you have because you can use words too, and you can remove yourself from that conversation and situation mm-hmm. using your words. So it's a it's a, it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. And I, it's something I was thinking of because it is currently New York Bridal Fashion Week and I have been like planning my outfit so I don't have to explain my insulin pump to people at shows, which when you're in, you know, the fashion world in some way or another, I mean, bridal is very different than like New York Fashion Week, although it's actually not that different. It's a lot of the same people are showing, but with bridal collections, I won't bore you with my day job. But um, I, in that setting, I definitely do not want to explain my diabetes. Um, it's one of those things where I'm more than happy to explain it, but I want to blend in. I want the shows 
you know, the focus to be on the shows, the models. I want to be writing about them. I want to be showcasing their, that type of stuff on social media. So it's just easier to blend in and not, you know, unintentionally have eyes on me. So I am very much guilty of that, of uh, being all about blending in for certain things. But when I'm out at the gym, I let my pump, you know, fly free and I almost always wear a tank top and will have my pot on my arm or whatever. And it's just, I like don't even think twice about it now when I'm at the gym, which is kind of weird. But when I'm not at the gym, I'm like all self-conscious about it. So that's something that I'm still confused about, but there, I guess we all have our safe spaces. So create your own safe space if need be. Yeah. And just be like self-aware of like, where do you find that you do feel comfortable out and proud? And where do you find that you're more inclined to like kind of I don't I hate the word hide but just not make it so visible um and I think it's just it's good self-awareness to have because you can kind of reflect well I wonder what about this environment or that environment is making me feel either comfortable or uncomfortable because that information is valuable to you and you can use that in the future to kind of plan for how you want to feel Yes, um, we're just so self-aware. Self-awareness. Oh, well, as I clap for like another 20 <laughs> minutes. So I think this episode was really meant as a little bit of a check-in and, and uh, you know, having a friend tell you it's okay yeah. if you don't want everyone to know you have diabetes. It's not the it's end of the okay. world. And if you do want people to know, that's yeah. also okay. Yeah. Basically, everything's okay. Rocks back and forth. Exactly. Everything's okay. And if you – worst case scenario, like we said, is someone will probably say something ignorant or just wrong. And if you don't feel like going off on them, like that's what the pals are for. Like that's what this community is for. You have this community of people to say, oh, my God, this person came up to me. They saw my pump. They said this. It was so stupid. Like vent to us. Vent to your other pancreas pals. And that's what we're for. You can't – we can't fix everyone, but at We're least we're all can about the walls. Laugh about them. Um, so, so therapeutic. The so many walls. So, so for more, um, more walls, head back to our past seasons. Uh, seasons one through five are available on <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. Um, Stay tuned for more exciting episodes to come. We actually have a lot of really exciting, cool diabetic guests um coming up the rest of the season so we just started season three so expect a lot of uh, a lot of interesting conversations to be had also we are going to be attending the myabetic diabetes awards october 19th so be sure to tune in to our instagram for some lives for some fun stuff out in la with a whole bunch of fellow bedics out there follow us on instagram at pancreas underscore pals on facebook at pancreas what is it? Pancreas Pals PP. And guys, I'm so tired. Send help. And slide into our DMs on either and both. And our email is pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. We're so excited for what the rest of the year has to bring. And we can't wait to meet some of you out in LA. And we will be doing some more meetups. So stay tuned for info on that. We love to do meetups. Meeting the pals is our favorite thing ever. Oh, and shout out to the amazing, amazing people on our walk team. We had a very successful walk. We missed you, Miriam. But we're excited to do it again next year. Hopefully it won't fall during a Jewish holiday. 
You really don't. <laughs> you never know. Have a but, great rest of your week. Bye, bye. guys. <laughs>